It was his lifetime ambition. Last weekend, Chris Hoy smashed an Olympic record. The men's one kilometre cycling race. Team GB had just won their second gold of the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens. In a time of one minute, 0.711 seconds, approximately, Chris Hoy had set the fastest time ever at sea level. It was a race which saw the Olympic record lowered no less than four times. After the race, he told the press, it's what I have worked so hard for. Chris Hoy had just achieved his lifetime ambition. He took up the sport when he was only seven years old. And now, he has done it. He has just clinched gold in the 2004 Olympic Games. And the best part is, he's Scottish. We all have our ambitions. A former American president, Abraham Lincoln, said, every man, or woman, is said to have his peculiar ambition. So, if someone was to ask you tonight, what is your ambition in life? Who or what are you living for? What would you say? Someone who had great ambitions in life was the Apostle Paul. And the thing about Paul is that he was honest with himself. And he tells us how his ambitions in life were dramatically transformed. Read about this in a letter Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, a Roman colony. And you can see Philippi at the top of the map. Paul wrote this letter around AD 62, while he was imprisoned, probably in Rome. And the letter is found in the Bible. And we're going to look at part of it in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 4 to 14. It's on page number 1180. Philippians chapter 3, and verses 4 to 14. Verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But... Whatever was to my prophets, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul looks in three directions as he explains how his ambitions in life totally changed. The first direction he looks is to look back, verses 4 to 6. Paul had come from a very privileged background in his culture. He seemed to have it made. If he lived in Edinburgh, he'd probably have shopped at Jenner's. He was the kind of guy you'd try and get as a guest at a formal dinner party or at a business function. A bit like Richard Branson. Or maybe not. Paul looked back in his life and he could boast that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. And that is the tribe of Israel's first king. And he was not only a Jew, but he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And that meant he was an Aramaic speaker. I could even pass French at school. And he was a devout Pharisee. He strictly kept to the external demands of the law. You wouldn't find Paul getting a speeding ticket. As Paul looks back at his life, what he's telling us is that he was trying to get right with God by his own efforts. If he did his best, then surely he would be okay. That was his ambition in life. Being born and raised in Scotland, I thought one of my ambitions should be to try and climb all the Monroes in Scotland. I was going to be the next Edmund Hillary. And you can actually see a faint resemblance. We've got the same ears. So I bought a book about all the best mountain walks in Scotland, written by Cameron McNeish. I bought all the gear. I got the Burgess tops, the Gore-Tex jacket, the Scarpa walking boots, and of course, the Kendall mint cake. That was five years ago. Guess how many I've climbed? You're right, I've climbed one. Ben Lomans. We got to the top, exhausted, and I couldn't see a thing. All I could see were clouds. I couldn't even see the bonny, bonny banks of Loch Lomond. So if you want to buy a second-hand book written by someone called Cameron McNeish, please do come and see me after the service. 
and I might even still have some Kendall mint cake left as well. Paul looked back at his life, on his ambitions, and he could have boasted. Everyone thought he had it made. But there was something wrong. He didn't enjoy a personal relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. That wasn't a reality in his life. Bob Geldof, who has done some great work in places such as Africa, summed up what life is like without knowing God's Son, Jesus Christ. It's in the title of his autobiography. Is that it? As the early church father, Augustine of Hippo, wrote at the start of his famous confessions, way back at the end of the 4th century, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Paul was restless. Why? He didn't know God. There was a lack of purpose and direction in his life, and he knew it. But that was about to change. The second direction Paul looked was up in verses 7 to 11. Sometimes our ambitions in life change. Winston Churchill said, History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. Talk about being ambitious. As Churchill got older, his ambition in life was to be remembered well. He wanted history to be kind to him. And Paul's ambitions changed. They changed radically. In verses 7 and 8 we read, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now, it wasn't anything to do with age or his social environment that changed Paul's ambitions. Paul's ambitions were changed when he looked up and when he got to know God's Son, Jesus Christ. Read what happened in Acts chapter 9. As Paul was coming near Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Paul was about to encounter Jesus in a way which would transform his whole life. He would never be the same again. All his life, he was trying to get right with God by something he could do. However, he was about to learn it's all about what Jesus has done. A couple of weeks ago, some folks from Charlotte Chapel went out to Princess Street with a television camera. Our Charlotte Chapel news reporter asked people how they thought they would get to heaven. The majority said, if I do my best, if I don't do anybody any harm, then I'll be okay. Many of us have no doubt seen Mel Gibson's graphic film, The Passion of the Christ. But think about it. If we can get right with God through our own efforts, by doing our best, Why did Christ bother to die? Why did he suffer on a cross? 
That's what Paul was about to learn. His whole system of trying to get right with God by his own efforts broke down. A biblical scholar, Alec Botier, describes this mindset change in Paul's life. He said, Paul had no recourse but to add up his advantages and achievements one by one and admit that the total was zero. Paul had a choice to make. Would he accept or reject God's offer of forgiveness which Jesus made possible through dying on a cross? And that is a choice we all have to make. We read in John chapter 1 verse 12, Yet to all who received him, that is Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. On the 4th of October, a Christianity Explored course will be starting here again in this church, downstairs in the lounge. And it's a free course, and it's designed for people exploring what it means to get to know God personally. And I would highly recommend it. You can get information about this course on the stairwells as you leave tonight. Paul looked up, and the more he got to know Jesus, the more he realised that nothing compares with Jesus. Even when he sometimes got into hassle for being a Christian. So Paul has looked back at his ambitions. He saw what his life was like without God. And he has looked up. His desire is to know Jesus and to live for him. The final direction Paul looks is forward. He knows where he is going. Verses 12 to 14. Let me give you two contrasting thoughts about the future. The first is from the film director and actor Woody Allen. Woody Allen said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. The second is from Paul. In verse 13, if you look down, Paul writes, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul knows where his future lies and he wouldn't hold on to anything that would hold him back from pressing on. For there is a city whose foundation and builder is God. Heaven will be, a, will be a place full of people, the Bible says, from every tribe and language and people and nation. We had a brilliant time last weekend with Origin Scotland. And the place was packed. And people from all different backgrounds were here, enjoying God's presence together. Heaven will be like that. People from every different country will be there. The Soweto Gospel Choir will be there. And most of all, Jesus will be there. Near the end of his life, Paul could write to one of his companions, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That is the goal for every Christian. 
That is the prize. And nothing even comes close. For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. A couple of years ago, I, I spent some time at Wheaton College in the United States, near Chicago. And it's a tough life. In the Wheaton College library, there's an exhibition of one of their former students, a man called Jim Elliott. His story is told in the book, Through Gates of Splendor. Jim obeyed God's call to go to Ecuador as a missionary and work with the Akas Indians. He'd often fly a plane over the Amazon to try and make contact with the Akas. But one day, Jim and his colleagues were speared to death by the Indians for no apparent reason. Many people asked the question, why did Jim risk his life in going to work as a missionary in a remote part of South America? He had so many other opportunities in life. So why did Jim go? He looked back, he looked up, and he looked forward. And his ambition in life was to know Jesus Christ and to serve him, whatever that involved. Jim once wrote in his journal, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Nothing could compare with gaining Christ. Nothing could compare with knowing Christ. If someone was to ask you tonight, what is your ambition in life? Who or what are you living for? What would you say? Would you say it is to know Jesus Christ? Let's pray.